0: Uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and I think it is interesting that Matthew's account three times crosses the discussion of of marriage, and I think that's interesting because clearly it is something that needed to be emphasized, this was not going to be something that was merely a 21st century problem, but it was a problem in the first century about what is God's marriage law, what does he have in store for us How does he want to follow his will in regards to this? And and this is what sets up this question in the midst of this context that Matthew has about about submission, about humility, about giving ourselves and looking out for the interests of others ahead of ourselves. We come across this scene that that Matthew puts here where you have an important question that the Pharisees are, are now asking Jesus. You're seeing in chapter 19, and in verse three, though they are testing Jesus, the, the question is, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And I suppose if we were to take a pull of that in our culture and society and ask the question, is it lawful to get a divorce for any reason? I think the answer would be a resounding yes. I think that's pretty much the world we live in right now is that. You can get a divorce for any cause, any reason, you know, we, we just don't like each other anymore, we're bored, we found somebody else. There's all kinds of reasons that are used today as answers to the question of, well, uh, can you get a divorce for any reason? And I want you to notice that this is the question that these Pharisees asked Jesus. Now, I, I don't have time to talk about something that I really want to talk about, so I'll talk about it another time. And that is that they even ask the question, is it lawful? And I would love to do 30 minutes right there. I won't. I promise I'm going to come back to that because I really want to talk about that. But I do want you to think about they are not sitting there going, well, we get to ultimately determine the answer to this. They realize we need to ask God about this. What does God say about marriage? What does God say about these things? That we don't get to decide. We need to ask the question, is it lawful to divorce for any reason? I want you to notice how Jesus answers this because it is, I think, pretty fascinating. The answer that he lays out because he simply begins in in verse four by just saying, have you not read? And, And the reason why I think that's interesting is because. Jesus thinks the answer is pretty self-evident. I want you to know that Jesus' answer is not, well, that's a really complicated question. Is it lawful to divorce for any reason? I think that's very complex. We might need to, you know, have a five-part series on this about, you know, how this all plays out. Jesus gives an answer that records that it's a self-evident answer. Have you not read? You should know the scriptures to be able to know the answer to this. And you will notice that Jesus does not immediately say yes or no, but rather Jesus goes back to Genesis and he gives two statements from Genesis. He gives a statement from Genesis one and verse 27 there in verse four, when he says that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. That's Genesis one, And then the very next breath in verse five, he says, and And then he quotes from Genesis 2 in verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So what Jesus does is he says, here's how we're going to answer this question. We're going to go back to what was written. Have you not read what God said from the very beginning? and I mean from the beginning. We are at Genesis 1 with the first quotation and Genesis 2 with the second quotation. We are at the very start. Haven't you read from the very beginning? And the point that Jesus immediately shows us that I think is something important that we need to spend a minute on is that God is the one who created marriage and God is the one who defines marriage. He gets to determine what that definition is. And I want you to notice the definition that God gives, that Jesus quotes and applies to all humanity. Notice verse 4 is male and female leaving their parents, joining together and becoming one flesh. That's God's (laughs) definition of marriage. And he created it and he defines it and he says what it is. And that is what is important for us in terms of this question that is brought up for us is, is it lawful? Is that God decides that we don't. We don't get to determine the definition of marriage. We don't allow for the politics to define it or a government to define it or we'll all get together and create a culture and define it. God defines it. He created it, and Jesus says we have to go all the way back to the start and see the picture of what God has given to us. Marriage is male and female, leaving parents, joining together, and becoming one flesh. And we cannot change that, but rather have to abide by that. That is what God gives for us. Now, I want you to notice in verse 6, because of verse 4 and verse 5, Jesus is going to draw a conclusion. Notice that verse 4 and verse 5 is not Jesus giving an answer, but just quoting two texts. Haven't you read, and if we were to use our words, Genesis 1. And if you were talking to Pharisees, yeah, they've read Genesis 1. And haven't you read Genesis 2? Yeah, they've read Genesis 2. All right. Well, if you've read Genesis 1 and you've read Genesis 2, here's the conclusion. Verse 6. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. There's the answer. Here's a simple solution. Have you read Genesis 1? Sure. Have you read Genesis 2? Perfect. All right. God made them male and female. Leave your parents. Join together. Become one flesh. Now here's Jesus' very simple easy conclusion. Therefore, what God has joined together, we are not then supposed to separate. And so I want you to notice that what you have pictured here by Jesus and is pictured throughout the scriptures is that Jesus just gives the answer. No, don't divorce. Flat out. No, and I think that's interesting because I want you to see that there's no kind of parenthesis to this. There's no kind of, yeah, but we kind of don't like each other anymore. Or, well, what about this particular situation? Or, you know, hey, he's just not very nice. Or she does, you know, we, we've come up with all of these things that we think are reasons and answers as to why divorce should be acceptable. And I want you to see what Jesus does is he just simply goes made male and female, leave parents, join together, to become one, end of story. And what I would like to underscore with that as well is that's also the same answer that you read in Mark 10 as well as in Luke 16, is Jesus giving this answer. The rule is do not divorce, do not divorce, do not divorce. I want to talk about some other things in this text, but it would be worth 10 minutes of me just standing here saying, The rule is don't divorce. That's the rule. That's the law. That's what God said. That's what marriage intends. That's the way it's supposed to be. To say that a hundred different ways for 10 minutes. Because again, sometimes we miss that the big idea is marriage is supposed to be permanent. That's the way God made it. And unfortunately, we live in a time right now that treats marriage kind of like streaming contracts to your television. You know, I'll, I'll sign up for a while, and when I don't like that there's anything there anymore, I'll cancel. And that's how we treat marriage. is As long as I'm getting what I want out of it, then I'll stay in. But as soon as I don't like the content, I'm out. And that's not what God defined. That's not what God presented. God did not present marriage as a contract. He did not present it as a a conditional, as long as things seem to be going hunky-dory. We'll talk about more of that in just a minute. But I want you to notice something else about what Jesus says as he gives this picture. By Jesus going back to the beginning, that is really, really, really important. Jesus does not come along and say in the past, there were all of these different marriage rules, but I say to you. Now, Jesus knows how to do that. I remember how many times Jesus would do in the Sermon on the Mount where he'd say your to you have heard it was said, but I say to you, let me correct. Notice he just goes right back to the start. This is the way it always has been. And for Jesus to go back to the beginning shows that marriage stands higher than the covenants in terms of Christ's covenant or Moses' covenant. From the beginning, this was the marriage law. And that means it was given to all people to all time, regardless of covenant. It was true from Adam to Moses. It was true for those who were under Moses' law. It was true for those who were Gentiles outside of Moses' law. It's true for those who were under Christ's law. It is true for those who were not under Christ's law. It is universal. I think it is so important how Jesus frames this. He goes to the beginning. This was for all people for all time. Now, that leads to a really big question that comes up in verse 7. In verse seven, the Pharisees ask, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? I think this is an interesting question that I do want us to think about for a minute because the way they say this reveals something about how they view what Moses had said back in Deuteronomy. They say, if what you say is right, and what did Jesus just say? Don't separate. The rule is no divorce. That was it. Flat line. Nothing else said. They say, then why did Moses say to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Which gives you a picture of what they were doing. They took what Moses said as, as long as we do the paperwork correctly, we can divorce for any reason. They're following Moses. All right, I don't like something. Just go ahead and make sure that we fill out the certificate and we give it to them and send her away. You can see that in how they word this. Why did Moses say we can send her away with the paperwork? Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you think that what God was doing was that he was declaring that divorce was acceptable for any reason so long as you filled out the paperwork. I think that was the intent under Moses' law. That's what they're basically putting forward. This was a popular view in that day and time, is you can divorce for any cause. And I hope that you'd recognize, obviously, that view violates Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Why would God come along later and say, oh yeah, I know I said permanent, but not really. Just get your papers in order, all good. So that's what they're asking. Then why did Moses say certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus' answer to this, I think, is absolutely astounding to think about in terms of what he says. Notice verse 8. Because of your hardness of heart. I want to spend 30 minutes there, but I don't have time. But I do want you to think about that answer. Why did Moses say that we could just send them away with paperwork? Because you're terrible people. Do you catch that? Because you have horrible hearts. You have stubborn, rebellious hearts. That's what Jesus says. You want to know why Moses had to say what he said and explaining all that is because you were terrible. You were terrible. Now, I want you to think about what he says with that. He says there in verse eight, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Notice he returns to the beginning again. He says, we're not going to go back to Moses. We're going to go back to the start. We're going to go all the way to Genesis one and two again. But he says, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted this. Now, I want you to think about this. Is what Jesus is saying this? God allowed the people to divorce because they had hard hearts against him. Yeah. Here's Jesus. You're not supposed to divorce. That's the rule. That's the law. Male and female joined together, leaving parents Permanent. What God has put together, don't separate. But since you guys are such terrible people, go ahead and divorce. And I would ask you, when does God ever change his law because his people don't obey it? Like you find a time in scriptures where God goes, here's all my laws. Well, the people go, no, we don't like it. Sorry, I... I... I know I should have taken a poll and a survey first and decided if you liked that one or not. Let's go ahead and change it and make it the way you like it. Is that what Jesus means? You had hard hearts, so knock yourselves out. That's why Moses permitted it. That doesn't make any sense. God never adjusts his law because we don't like it. He never changes his law because we disobey it. If God changed laws for our disobedience, he'd have to change all of them. (laughs) What law would still be intact? He'd have to go, well, I guess we'll have to erase the whole thing because nobody's obeying me. There is none righteous, no, not one. Jesus cannot be saying here, the original intent for marriage was permanent, but since you didn't like it, I allow divorce. There's another way to think about the hardness of heart is that rather than them having a hardness of heart toward God, which certainly they did. He's observing a problem of a hardness of heart toward their wives. From the beginning, it was supposed to be permanent. What was the problem? They were sending them away anyway. That's the grasp of what Deuteronomy 24 is observing. They're getting rid of their wives anyway. And what you have is God trying to protect the women of what is happening at that moment. When you read Deuteronomy 24, don't have time. That'd be another 30 minutes, but I have talked on this. You can go listen to it online. Uh, I would really encourage you to do that. I've preached in Deuteronomy 24 as well. As some another text. But what you have is them sending their wives away and then apparently later on going, oh, I think we should take them back. You're just, what? <laughs> uh, what are you doing? You, you can't do that. You can't just say, oh, today I like her, tomorrow I don't. Today I like her, tomorrow I don't. The next, next week she's back and the next week she's gone. What are you doing? And so there were rules put into place to stop them from what they were doing. The hardness of heart, yes, it's certainly toward God, But God doesn't go, let me change the rules and add some things because you don't like it. No, he has to do something because of how terrible they're being to their wives. And so these laws are put into effect. But Jesus steps in and goes, you understand why those laws had to be given? Because you were being terrible to your wives. Hardness of heart. You were being awful. And from the beginning, therefore, he says in verse eight. That was not so. I think we should be thoughtful of that. We wouldn't want to follow anything where it is a representative of a hardness of heart, either toward God or toward our spouse. And Jesus is putting his finger on that right here. So notice now what Jesus does with this in verse 9. He restates the marriage law again as it was from the very beginning. Verse 9, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. Very simple. If you divorce and you marry somebody else, you're committing adultery. That's how it's laid out. That's the rule. He gives one exception. If the divorce and the remarriage was because sexual immorality occurred and that's the cause of the divorce, that's okay. That's the only thing he gives. I want you to look at verse nine and notice there again, there is not a list of. Well, he's not very nice. Or she's. Well, you know, he's. And, you know, she's like and all the things that we come up with. There is only one exception that is laid out here. Except for sexual immorality, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. So allow me to underscore this again. The rule is, the rule is, the rule is, do not divorce. And there is only one allowed reason for remarriage. Sexual immorality is committed in the marriage. Jesus has blown up not only all cultures going forward but even the culture in that day and time where it was popular to say i could just divorce for any reason that was the prevalent view and jesus says from the beginning that's not the way it's supposed to be now i'll state again i have done lessons on this for matthew 5 mark 10 luke 16 and 1st corinthians 7 i want to spend my last 10 to 15 minutes that i have on the final three verses, because they're not anywhere else in scriptures, the disciples' reaction to this, I think, is really important. So I'm going to leave here, though I want to spend 30 more minutes here, but I won't because now i would be here till 2 o'clock if I keep adding up all these 30 minutes uh, that we're going to spend together. And notice what the disciples say to all of this. Verse 10, notice the disciples' response. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man and a wife, it is better not to marry. And I want you to think about why they say what they said here. Do they get the sense, first of all, that what Jesus said was complicated or confusing? I think they got it. You know, verse 10 is not So let's go into the house and ask further questions. They do that all the time, right? Jesus says something, they go, what? And they go, let's talk about that. That's not the response. They're not confused. They don't find anything complex about what Jesus says. Clearly the disciples understand that marriage is permanent and you cannot divorce for any reason. That's clearly what they are. What they are grasping in, in in this at all? They do not say, "Well, if as long as we, you know we fell out of love, so it must be okay." Or your spouse is nasty, or you know he or she changed. Or, they don't meet my needs. They obviously grasp the severity of what Jesus just said. Don't divorce. And they now respond in verse ten and say, "If that's the case, it is better not to marry." Now I want you to notice Jesus answer in verse 11 in verse 11 Jesus then says not everyone can receive the say i want you to notice that Jesus does not say oh you clearly have misunderstood what i was teaching about this for you to have this reaction they say If that's the nature of marriage, we should not marry. Jesus does not go, wow, I I didn't mean to dial it up to a 10 like that. Let me back it off a little bit. You know, no, no, it's fine. There are other reasons for divorce. It's okay. Just relax. Everybody breathe. I know that's sound. He goes, you're right. You believe that? If such is the case, better not to marry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not marrying is an option. But did you notice how he finished that? Not everybody can do that. That's his answer. He doesn't say, yeah, no, I I must have confused you a lot. Jesus said, from the beginning... One man, one woman, for life, don't divorce. The disciples say, might be better not to marry then." And Jesus goes, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Because of the seriousness of the marriage command. If there would be anything I could underscore for you this morning, is the seriousness of the covenant of marriage that is made between a man, a woman, and God. It is not flippant. It's not, oh, hey, this will be fun. Hope this works out. It is so serious that the disciples backpedal a little and realize, wait, You can't divorce for any reason. You can't. You are together for life. That's what God intended from the very beginning. And they go, well, maybe we should rethink that. (laughs) Because it's a serious, serious covenant. And, And friends, what a shame it is that we live in a time that has almost no regard for that covenant that that covenant means near next to nothing something that is supposed to mean i'm with you till we die has now turned into i'm with you until i don't feel like it anymore If such is the case, better not to marry. And Jesus says, not everyone can receive that, but only those to whom it has been given. Some people can take that on. Some people can say, I won't marry because of the seriousness of that. But to the others, not so much. And thus, this marriage law is in effect. Now, notice the conclusion, because I think this conclusion is also important, because he uses an illustration in verse 12, he says, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. I think this is a very interesting illustration that he uses. He uses the picture of eunuchs. Eunuchs typically were castrated so that they could work in service, typically of royalty, that there'd be no threat to the royal throne or to the queen or anyone like that. And I want you to notice that eunuch becomes a metaphor then for intimate relations because he says there are some people who are born that way and cannot do that. That's how he starts off verse 12. There are eunuchs from birth. But then you notice he says that there are some who have been made that way. That's the illustration of what would happen if you were to work in a royal court at that time. But the rest of what he says, I think, should be eye-opening. And there are those who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. I think the NIV does a good job with this. There are those who live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Do you catch what Jesus said? That could be a decision that's required. That's what he's concluding with. Yep, there are some who were born without that capacity. There are some who have been made by men without that capacity. And there are some who will live that way. For the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I wish I had 30 more minutes, but I don't. It's going to become a long sermon if I kept going. But this is really important. Living single is not a ridiculous option. I mean, there's almost sometimes this unsaid implied idea that there's something wrong with you if you're single. We shouldn't communicate that. That is a viable decision that Jesus puts his finger on right here and says, yeah, there are going to be people who are going to do that. And that's fine. That's not ridiculous. We shouldn't look at it and go, how could we ever be called to be single? Jesus was. Let me draw some conclusions then from what Jesus says in all of this and a couple of, I think, important points. Number one. Marriage is male and female. I, I, I didn't know there'd be a day where I'd have to take this text and make that point. But here we are. So I'll make it. Here's the text saying, God made them male and female. Number two, marriage is permanent. Marriage is permanent. Marriage is permanent. Marriage is permanent. You're together. Till death do you part before God. There's only one exception, sexual immorality. If sexual immorality is committed in the marriage, and you see verse 9 saying, that is something that is a problem, and that can be addressed then and allows for divorce and remarriage. But really, here's my first big point. We need to work far harder at improving our marriages than trying to figure out ways to get out of them. We spend so much time trying to find a loophole, trying to get out of this thing, instead of putting in the effort to try to make it better, to try to improve it, to try to do what we can for ourselves to make the marriage better. Now, here's our big flaw with marriage. I'm going to make them. You can't make anybody do anything. (laughs) If you think marriage is going to get better because you're going to make them fill in the blank, you just quit right now. You're wrong. You're not going to get them to change. But you can change you. You can approach the marriage differently. You can be the person that God has called you to be. You can be selfless. And you can love like Christ loved work far harder at trying to improve the marriage, to save the marriage, to fix the marriage than trying to figure out how do I get out of this? Because that's what God wants. Once we are joined together, verse six, Jesus says, do not, do not, do not separate. And I want us to see number two from Jesus' illustration in verses 10 through 12. It may be necessary, To remain unmarried because of God's marriage law. Number one, you might hear God's marriage law and go, I don't know that I want to commit to that. It's for life. It's permanent. And Jesus is fine with that. Jesus says, great. If you want to make that choice, wonderful. There is nothing wrong with being single It is not ridiculous to be single. It is not crazy. Jesus does not look at his disciples and go, you're out of your mind for saying what you said. No, that's fine. But I do want you to also be aware what Jesus has said here is that divorce being only for sexual immorality and for no other means there might be that we would have to live then unmarried the rest of our days. Here's how Paul put it as he explained what Jesus said. To the married I give this charge, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 10. To the marriage I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. That opening phrase is very important. Paul is saying, I'm not giving a new marriage rule here. I am restating what Jesus said. Not I, but the Lord. Jesus covered this terrain already. What did Jesus say? Wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband and the husband should not divorce his wife. Paul said what Jesus said, what Moses said, what God said from the very beginning, don't divorce. And there is this. If you do, you may be falling into the category of what Jesus says in verse 12, that for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, you may have to choose to live alone. And that's fine. Living the life of single is not ridiculous. It may be the path that's been given to you. But here's what I want to end with in terms of this lesson. And it fits where this whole chapter and prior chapter have been and are going. Everybody has to make different sacrifices when it comes to the kingdom of God. And marriage is even on the table with that is that you may be in a circumstance where you are not allowed to marry because of a prior situation. And we should hear what Paul is saying. Remain unmarried or be reconciled. Those are the options that are given. And the saving of our soul is worth that decision. There are all kinds of sacrifices that we must make for the kingdom of God. Jesus illustrated it to the severity of if it requires pulling out eyes, cutting off hands and feet, we will do it for whatever it takes to enter the kingdom of heaven. And we should not come to God's marriage law and go, well, I don't like that. That's hard. It is hard. And I want you to hear the disciples say that. In verse 10, they said, that's hard. It is. It is a serious covenant that has been made that we are called upon to uphold if we choose to enter into it with only one exception for divorce. Now, I always want to end these lessons in this way. It's not that I think Jesus' teachings are hard or complicated in terms of comprehension. Is it lawful to divorce for any reason? Jesus goes, no. That's pretty straightforward. What is complicated is the messes that we make. (laughs) That's what gets complicated. We make a mess of all kinds of things rather than following what God said in regards to our marriage law. So I always, when I have a lesson like this, I always want to put this before you. If you're in a situation and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm in one of those complicated, messy things and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, please let Dan or I know, and we would be happy to meet with you to try to help you figure out what's your best best path forward. We know what God said to do, we need to uphold it. But if you're on the other side of that now, <laughs> now we've got to figure out what's next. What do we do now? How do we go forward so that we're right with God? We want to help you do that. And so I hope you do not hear this lesson and you're sitting there in the pew and you're like sliding down to the ground. Don't do that. We're here to help you. We want to help you. We want to put you in the path so that your soul is saved, so that you can be with God for all eternity. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, if nothing else, I pray that the weight of your marriage command would rest very heavy on our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we as your people would do all that we can to preserve and maintain our marriage covenants. And, Lord, we can be so sinful in our marriages. We can make such messes. We can be so selfish. We can act so terribly. And, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for those failures. Forgive us for when we have acted in that way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live to the model that you have given to us. Help us to love our spouses like Christ has loved us. Help us to sacrifice just as your son sacrificed for us. Help us to give ourselves completely just as your son gave for us. And Lord, I pray that we would have hearts and be zealous to lay down anything in this world so that we could be with you. And Lord, I pray that for any in this room who are struggling with sorting out what to do because of their marriage situation, that you would give them clarity as they look into your word to hear these words about your marriage covenant and make right decisions going forward of how to be faithful to you and faithful to what you've called all of us to be. lord i pray for those who are single people who have willfully made the decision to be single for the sake of the kingdom that you would strengthen them strengthen their resolve that they have made that they would continue to be so continue to be pure before you and to make that decision that is holy in your sight in that way and so lord we praise them for that and i pray that you would give them the strength to continue forward in that decision And Lord, I pray that you would preserve our marriages, that we would never think of divorce as an option. Lord, help us to work hard to improve our marriages and not look for ways out. Help us to do all that we can so that we can lay down our lives and be the kind of people that you want us to be in these marriage relationships. We pray this through your son and our savior, Jesus. Amen. amen I find it um, I find it interesting that that's recorded that way that the disciples heard those words and said, well it's better not to marry that is so interesting to me because in the first century world being single was not the norm everybody was married and so that teaching of Jesus was so jarring. That they just rethought how they looked at it. I hope this morning you're rethinking about how you're looking at marriage and its importance, its seriousness, and what God intends for you to be as his people in that. If we can help you in any way in sorting those things out, help you be a follower of Jesus in those ways, we would love to meet with you at some time to be able to do that. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus this morning, to turn away from sin, be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, and follow him faithfully with all of your heart, we want to help you do that too. Just let us know how we can help you. Talk to us afterward, or you can come forward right now while we stand and while we sing.